When I worked for ASIO, I wasn't allowed to do surveillance because I was too tall and I like to think good looking. Um, <laughs> and they don't want tall, good looking people following people because we're very noticeable. Obviously. People will turn around and go, oh my God, who is that tall, good looking man? All the time. And why is he looking at me? <laughs> but there was one time when I did go on one surveillance operation and it was a, an emergency operation. and. The worst thing about it was the way it ended was the most confronting thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I've seen one of my children get born. <laughs> That's pretty confronting. Yeah. No, it was when the target walked into a pornographic cinema and then actively participated in the live show in between the films. I, I, I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> you know what? That's what we said too. You're listening to I Spy, the podcast that is the tea in the Russian poison plot. I always drink coffee on the plane. Hello, my name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm a national news director with Nova and a journalist. And I have to say, I've covered a lot about information, freedom of information, and exactly who is in charge of all of these secrets. And it's really been something that I've wanted to dig deeper into. So I've brought my friend David Callan along. I thought he could help us out. I mean, you may listen to him speak and think, what does this idiot know? (laughs) But he actually used to work for ASIO and I thought we could get together and talk ASIO, counterintelligence, espionage, all the fun things, but in an idiot kind of way. No? Did you just call me an idiot? I mean, I didn't mean to. I I resemble that remark. (laughs) So I spied, we're going to be unveiling some of the secrets of Australia's intelligence agency and kind of a bit more about its humdrum reality compared to the James Bond glitz and glamour that we kind of think is happening. It really ain't that exciting. Well, last week we tapped into how you knew a terrorist. You kind of went to school with him, right? Suspected terrorist. Suspe- sorry, I should say suspected terrorist. Alleged terrorist. Alleged terrorist, yes. <laughs> and we kind of unpacked how you got into ASIO and kind of what ASIO does. Well, this week we're going to look at a few other things, the KGB, yeah. CIA. yeah. ASIO, counterintelligence. You, the guys. The guys. Is that what you like to call them, the guys? No, they were the targets. <laughs> well, what about KGB? We haven't really talked about KGB. We've, we've, we've kind of touched on the CIA yeah. and the MI5. Why don't you go into KGB? Well, we don't have KGB here anymore. Well, well it doesn't exist. So it, did they just rebrand? Yeah. <laughs> it became the FSB. And then they basically took over the entire government of Russia. Because we all know that Vladimir Putin is ex-KGB. Yes, we do. Trained KGB. Did most of his time in Eastern Europe. Was really, really good at counter-espionage and compromise operations, as evidenced by the United States. <laughs> so, But the KGB was like target numero uno. It was the big one when the Soviet Union still existed, which it did while I was the, in the first half of my career. There were some really seriously very, very skilled guys in the KGB working at the Russian embassy, or the Soviet embassy, I should say, in Canberra, and also in their satellite offices and consulates. What, what do you mean by skilled? Well, they were really good spies. Right. Right. How, uh, like, define a good spy, though. Like, 
Uh, is there average spies? Yeah, good uh, spies. Totally average spy. And um, as it turned out, I got to follow a really average. Well, I thought he was really average, but it turns out I think he was a genius because he was so obvious. It was so obvious that he knew he was being followed. Kind of like get smart. He didn't care. <laughs> was he like talking into a foot? <laughs> like, no. Let me set the scene. I get to the office one morning, and I'm literally told you're getting on a plane and you're flying to Sydney. We need bodies on the ground, and I. I'm just like, a diplomat has left Canberra and gone to Sydney, but has not cleared it with foreign affairs. Because with target countries, countries that are technically our enemy, if you want to travel in the country, you kind of got to ask permission to move around. So he just got on a plane and flew to Sydney. Right. And it was like, oh my God, because we were pretty sure this guy was in the firm. He was one of the KGB. <laughs> the firm. Yeah. He had a really stupid position in the embassy, which generally is an indication that if you're not a co-optee, you're definitely an actual officer. So we thought, we've got to find out what this guy's doing. Let's go. So everyone gets to Sydney because a lot of other people are tasked. A lot of the actual surveillance guys in Sydney are tasked on other targets. So we can't pull them off that. We've got to keep our eyes on everybody else. So we start drawing people in. They drew me in because I had a little bit of training and I was available. <laughs> and they put me with the head of mobile surveillance in Sydney so I couldn't get any, into any trouble. They kept me with the boss. So I was basically the second pair of legs with him, second pair of eyes. This guy from the embassy went to the Soviet trade office in Wallara on Queen Street, mm. quite close to the uh, Bistro Moncur and yep. very other, uh, several other very nice drinking establishments. Uh, as I discovered, there were some very nice drinking establishments because he visited all of them. Right. He left the Soviet trade office and started walking towards Oxford Street, like down Queen Street towards Oxford Street, and he stopped in every pub along the way. Enjoyed a tipple. Well, at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're drinking two shots, of, like we two fingers it. of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course. <laughs> it's breakfast. It is breakfast. <laughs> what do you have? I have whiskey for breakfast. When do you drink vodka? Never vodka. That was the interesting thing. They really? They never drank vodka. Well, probably because they can get it so easily at home. Why would they bother drinking it here when they get something else? <laughs> what was interesting was he was using that to burn tail. Right Now, the whole idea is with mobile surveillance, the best way to shake a tail on foot is to let them know you can see them. So what would happen is he'd walk into a pub and then a surveillance team would walk in after him to see what he was doing. He'd be sitting at the bar with a whiskey and as they walked through the door, he'd raise his glass to them. Oh, my God. It was like, <laughs> it was just like, He's we're taunting out. Me. Yeah, we're out, we're out, we're out. Everyone was just like, we're out, we're out, we're out. We're yeah, out, we're right. Out. Right. So we follow him down the street. It winds up just being the head of surveillance and myself that walk into a pornographic cinema at the far end of Oxford Street, down in the city. This, you know, it was, oh, it's just cringeworthy. It's horrible. It's like you didn't want to touch anything in case you stuck to it. Oh, it was... Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, now this is definitely one way to shake a towel, right? Well, the whole thing is it's like... Yeah, it's one way to shake a towel, but what the hell is this guy up to? Who's he meeting? What's going on? And then in between the movies in this cinema, they had a stripper come out and do a live show. All right. So I think, and what, what time is this? Like still in the morning? Oh, we're getting into lunchtime now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what, el all... what else are you doing at lunch? Yeah, what are you doing at lunch? You got the lunch shift? Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, he got up on stage and joined the stripper and like joined like what in. Okay. What, uh, what not, do you mean? Not stripping. <laughs> exchange of bodily fluids. Okay. So I still don't know what you mean. He was having sex 
with the stripper. On stage? On stage. Were there other people around? Oh, yeah, there was us. There was everybody. It was in a cinema. This is so bizarre. Yeah. I do not understand this. Yeah, I know you don't. I didn't either. And I turned around to the head of surveillance and went, oh, my God, we don't have a camera. Because this is an incredibly compromising position for this person yeah, to put right. himself in. He's married. We've got him banged two rights. And I went, we don't have a camera. Because we don't have mobile phones with cameras then? No, we didn't. No. And I, the great thing is the surveillance officer looked at me and went, we don't have the right guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so who were you following? Oh, no, we were following exactly who we were meant to be following. Right. Because he wanted us to follow him. Oh, uh, but he wasn't... The right guy. He was not the right guy. Whoever we were meant to be following, we didn't have eyes on them. And that was the trick, right? He was oh, basically wow. put into the field, made a huge furore, which then the balloon goes up and we go looking for him while he's walking down Oxford Street, drinking himself to the point where he can get on stage with a, I'm going to be honest, an average-looking stripper. Yeah, right. Very, well, I mean, after, like, a whole bunch of whiskeys, everyone yeah, looks great. Everyone's fantastic. So he it doesn't was, matter. Yeah, he was wearing Johnny Walker goggles. He was completely <laughs> happy. But the problem was, who was it we were meant to be following? Who was the person that was actively in charge of an operation. Well, do you know the answer to that? Yes, we do. Okay, cool. Now, it's a very difficult one because it involves other intelligence offer, uh, operations, and, well, other intelligence services, foreign intelligence services, and I don't want to go too far into it but because it could reveal how intelligence works. But essentially, there was a person from that embassy who went camping on that day. Okay. And funnily enough, through sources, we discovered that the Russians kicked a geostationary satellite out of orbit for like about three orbits and that orbit just happened to pass directly over where this guy from the embassy happened to be camping with his family. Okay, so, so uh, essentially, talk me through this. Right. You've got a piece of information you need to get back to yeah, right. the home base. How do you do it? You right now it's, now it's easy. Okay. Now it's quite easy. You yeah. can send it through any number of file servers. You can do, Because everything's online now, it's quite easy to move things around. Yeah. Back then, a lot harder because we didn't have a World Wide Web. So how do you get a piece of incredibly delicate intelligence to another location without it being seen? You send it to a satellite. But you've got to have you've got to be in a position where a satellite can see you. So you've got to be like literally standing under that satellite. Yeah. Okay. Right, because you want to do a direct beam up to that satellite, then that satellite sends it back down to headquarters, to wow. Zinsky Square yep. in the Soviet Union, in Moscow, and they start reading it. So it turned out that about three weeks later we discovered that this had happened. Okay, but and you don't know what that, that was? That mm, I would say right now we have no idea what that was so to in, this day. So in terms of the person you were following, mm -hmm. was he a spy? What, did he have anything to do? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, definitely. Totally ID'd. Okay. He, yeah, totally. But um, the weird thing was it really felt like his entire role in the embassy was to, to, was to be a clown. Was to take the piss, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> literally, on so many levels. Um, <laughs> like, literally on so many levels. Yeah. I, but I, do you think they planned out that whole scenario? Yeah. Literally down to the having sex with this stripper on stage? No, I think that would have been the opportunity that presented itself. I personally, I would say that what happened was he went, all right, I've got someone on my tail. He would have identified us by that point. By then we knew we were blown. And that's a poor turn of phrase for this conversation. But <laughs> I think he would have gone, how long can I keep these guys watching me? Right. So then this this happens, right, with mm. the stripper. What what happens next? What's your next move? Oh, we go home. 
I think someone slyly let his wife know what he'd been up to because there was there were reports of domestic disturbances that evening at his house when he got home from Sydney at about nine that night. Mm. I believe it was a fry pan to his head. The whole thing was this guy did exactly what he had to do. He distracted. And that's one of the great things about intelligence is you don't know which, you know, when you've got items in play, things are in motion, you don't know which one to watch. Right? Yeah. So the whole thing was this guy played the perfect role of the fall guy while the actual operation was taking place in a completely different location. And that's the great thing about intelligence. That's what I really like about it. It's like what's important and what's not. And a lot of the time you can get it wrong. Yeah, so you've got the – so what was the KGB? KGB is their version – it was a foreign intelligence gathering organisation, right? But the thing is it's really difficult. The Russians structure their intelligence differently. So the KGB has an internal component which looks after internal threats – like ASIO would, but they also have an external component which goes outside and gathers intelligence. Where ASIO has an internal presence, which is we look after ourselves, our external or foreign presence, and there are ASIO officers that work overseas, they actually are there to liaise with foreign intelligence organisations. So you sit in that country, say you go to London, you're the first person we have that goes to contact MI5 or MI6 to talk about intelligence, right? The Russians probably have the same sort of thing, but they would, in the countries that they're allied with, but then they would have guys that sit there and outwardly try to recruit and gather foreign intelligence. Right. So in terms of KGB, yep. that, I mean, they've rebranded. Would you, would you say that there is still Russian spies in Australia to that extent? More so. More so. I reckon there would be more in the country now simply because we trade on so many similar levels as the Russians. Yeah. And that's really where all intelligence is sort of focused at the moment is like, yes, we, we love to know about your military. We really would. And we'll do everything we can to find out about it. But it's getting to the point, it feels to me, that military is so industrialized anyway that it's industrial intelligence and trade intelligence that they're really interested in a lot of the stuff that would be going on from the soviet union from the soviet union going, going backwards in time <laughs> from russia would be foreign interference right right that seems to be a really big portion of russian intelligence at the moment is foreign interference which everyone gets kind of upset about but what i find funny about that at the same time is everyone does it right the, the americans how dare you interfere in our elections but you've interfered in so many political systems around the planet. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if you look at American foreign policy, yep. a lot of it has created in itself its its own dramas. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a whole theory called blowback, which looks at how um, September 11th was a byproduct of the Clinton administration bombing a Sudanese pharmaceutical company, which wasn't actually a pharmaceutical pseudical company so there's all these there's all these mm. things and then them training osama bin laden for you know to get the chechens out of russia like in in terms of when you look at the world as we know it yeah. america has contributed to <gasps> terrorism and what we what we're looking at right now Chalmers johnson's book blowback which yes, is the one who, that's the one who I'm framed talking it about. Um, so good the, yeah it's a brilliant book because you suddenly realize oh okay everything that keeps happening is happening because america a lot of the time america is conducting operations without considering what the consequence of that operation is. Yes. Um, and that's a relatively common aspect of intelligence. There are times where you'll conduct an operation thinking this is going to work really well, this is exactly what we need to do, and the flip of it is, you know, a year, two years, five years later, you realise 
we've created a problem as opposed to solving it. It's kind of like the butterfly effect. Yeah. Like you, you think you think you're causing no ripple waves and then something just goes off. So when we're looking at spy agencies, do you, is there a code? Does everyone work within a parameter of like ethics or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like do, is there a code of ethics? I don't know. I mean, that's a really good question because there is a kind of code of ethics. I mean, my wife and I, my wife uh, was watching, <laughs> she was, I just get dragged into it. She was watching NCIS LA. Oh, right? God. And I, Everyone well, dies. I want, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I one point turned around and said, I really want to sit down and just mark up how many people get killed in an entire season of NCIS because everyone gets, like, they're shooting people left, right and centre. Mm. It, it just doesn't work like that. Spies don't go out and kill each other. James Bond, yeah, he kills a lot of people. The whole thing is if you kill one of ours yeah. or you mess with one of ours, we're going to mess with one of yours. All right? right. It, it, tit for tat is... So it's an eye for as, an eye. Yeah, it is regarded as fair play. So it is actually detrimental to kill people. Arrest them, yep. Kick them out of the country, definitely. Right. Declare them persona non grata. That is death to a spy. Right. Literally, being declared persona non grata is essentially telling the entire world, you are a spy, we identify you as a spy, good luck with your next job because and, you're out. And have there been cases where that's happened? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, could you give it an example? One guy who was outed by the Reader's Digest. He was a, <laughs> yeah. Go figure. All these people sitting on their toilets now know this spy. Yeah. What? Because <laughs> why is Reader's Digest always yeah. in a bathroom? Yeah. I don't know. Because it's a short read. <laughs> That's it. It's short. Yeah. It's 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 digestible, or, <laughs> or, or the end of digestible, if yeah. you like, if you want. Right. Um, there would been suspicions that this guy could possibly be, uh, and he'd worked in several countries. Mm. And then the Reader's Digest basically went. A lot of spies believe that this man is a spy, and it was like, <laughs> imagine. Well, imagine this poor bloke sitting on the toilet going. Oh, no. no. Oh shit. <laughs> oh crap! My career is in the crapper. <laughs> Yeah, Literally, anyway. your career is in the shitter. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it did. It killed his career. It was over. Once you declared persona non grata, that's pretty much it. Right. Right? The, the funny thing about it is there was always a suspicion that there was someone in ASIO that was must have been a, a Russian mole. Right. Yeah. Um, and that went right back to when ASIO was first established because the MI5 director who came over to Australia to establish ASIO he sort of got embroiled with the Cambridge Five. Do we understand the Cambridge Five? No. Burgess, Philby, Meredith, McLean, and one other. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole thing with the, the the Cambridge Five were they were these, you know, Cambridge graduates, very very uh, hoi polloi, <laughs> the upper crust of England, and they were all recruited by the KGB and they were all working in MI5 and MI6. But they were they were double agents. Yeah, yeah, very famous. In right. fact, Philby was um, Philby was in Beirut. The Beirut used to be an absolute hotbed of spies. Now, Philby wound up in Moscow. He mm. defected to Moscow and was he basically died the life of a defector, which is a terrible way to go. So why would you, A, what would you get out of being a, a, a double spy, especially for, you know, for Moscow and mm -hmm. the English? And then also why would you defect that way? <laughs> well, if you once you're exposed, you've right. got to get out. Once, right. it, once you've been exposed as a double agent, once you've been exposed as a, as a mole, yeah. you're, you're done. But what would you get out of it? I just don't. I don't Freedom. 
you get that going what no, but or I mean, being a double agent being a double agent well that's where we get down to money ideology compromise okay, ego right, 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 the right. basic core of how you recruit an agent yeah right which is money i can pay you mm. problem with money is someone can it's pay traceable. you more well it's traceable but more than that well not necessarily right bitcoin um, <laughs> There's a lot of spies on the crypto market. I'll give you a Bitcoin. I'm rich. <laughs> but it's the thing is, if I can pay you a certain amount to work for me, mm. then someone else can pay you more to work for them. So right. money is always part of the frame because people want to get paid. But it's the other three, ideology, compromise and ego. Now, ideology with the Cambridge Five, they were communists. Right. They'd all, okay. They had yep. all gone to that Communist Party meetings and they all believed that the Soviet Union was the right way to go. Compromise, There were some of them were gay and because of that, but they were also well-to-do mm. and married and the whole thing, so they were trying to protect their reputations that way. And finally, ego, which is, I mean, you look at someone like Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump's already covered with money and compromise. Mm. Ideology, he doesn't have one. But if you were looking at recruiting him and, you know... Narcissism. Uh, Playing to ego. his ego. Yeah. Play to his ego, which is you're the only person that can do this. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. you got money. So I'm paying you to work for me. I appeal to your ideology. By the way, I've got you with your pants around your ankles and you're the only guy that can do this. Right, so you will work for somebody. And it is. It's a it's a beautiful art of persuasion. And I've done an exercise where I was recruited by an ASIO officer. It was an exercise. I was playing a role as an actor. One of your greatest roles. One of my greatest roles. <laughs> Great role. Navy captain working, young Navy captain working in the... Oh, not captain. Oh, the hunt for Red October. Uh, Lieutenant commander, not a captain. Uh, Sean Connery. You yes. play Sean Connery. That's right. <laughs> yes. Be careful. There are some things that don't appeal to bullets. Um <laughs> I perfected my Sean Connery walking I crazy. bet you did. Oh, yes. The thing is, like, so in that, I played a young lieutenant commander in the Navy who was working in the submarine division at Russell Offices. That was my role. Mm. This guy had to recruit me because I'd met a Russian diplomat at a party. And, like, the whole thing was this guy. You know, and it's a series of meetings. And the great thing was the first meeting was, you know, I get a phone call from this guy going, hey, look, I'm from ASIO. I really need to talk to you about something that's happened. Oh, okay, fine. I'm a military guy, so yes, I'll, 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 I'll definitely go and have a meeting with you. So the guy shows up at my house and turns around and goes, this is what's going on. This, have you met this man? Shows me a photo, and I mm. know the photo. I've been briefed on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him at a cocktail party um, somewhere. And he went, yeah, well, he's KGB. And it's like, uh, what? He's like, he's a KGB officer. Um, has he asked for anything? I just wanted some, like, sounding maps of Sydney Harbour because he, he likes boating. <laughs> and he was like, did you give them to him? Well, sh oh, I won't. I'll di sever all contact. And that's when they go, no, no, no. Give him the maps. Right. Because then it's like now we've got an agent working against yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. we think is a foreign intelligence So it's like officer. double play. So, yeah, it's all of this interweaving. of. But the thing was I knew I was playing a role. I mm. know this guy was playing a role. And I still would have, like, with after... You still doing it. After five minutes, I would have gone, yeah, my mother, killer, cool. Yeah. I'm on it. Right? <laughs> it was, he was that convincing. Yeah. And a really, really good case officer is that convincing. Right. They're very persuasive and they're very forthright as well, which I found really interesting. I, I did the exercise a number of times uh, and some of them were just terrible. My favourite was one who turned around and went, I opened the door and you were never meant to work against somebody that you knew. And I opened the door, it's a guy I knew, and he went, oh, great, just give me the answers because uh, there's this girl I'm going to meet up in half an hour. And it's like, 
I am going to call the police now <laughs> because you said you were from ASIO and you had to you literally had to keep in the role. Right. You couldn't break break protocol. And it was great. The second time I met him, he's like going, uh, okay, yes, uh, we've got to take it seriously. It's like, guys, you can't match us with people we know. Which I can absolutely see why you enjoyed this because it was all role play at yeah. some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> it's a I lot did of there. acting. Yeah, a lot of acting for did me. Did you feel like you're on one big constant set movie set? <laughs> Oh God, I wish. I know, but like you know, for example, when you know when you're walking in and you you see that that gentleman having sex with a stripper on stage, it's just so absurd. It's almost it would be a storyline yeah. to a movie. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. So absurd. Totally, it was utterly ridiculous. But that's one of the interesting things is that kind of absurdity really mm. existed. Yeah, and now in terms of watching watching your targets, so you've kind of tapped into that a little bit. Yeah. Now we've got a. As you say, there's a lot of a lot of people over here, a lot of spies mm-hmm. um, working for different countries. Do you have eyes on all of them or would there be some that you are unaware of? I'm assuming there'd be some you're unaware of. I think there'd have to be. Yeah. I mean, we're, they're very good at spotting them. I, one of the things that I did do when I was there was I used to see visa photos of uh, Soviet delegations coming into the country. Mm. And it was the big game was spot the KGB Really? Officer. Yeah, it was literally like just from the photo. Can you spot him? Because <laughs> they were always they always seemed to have really heavy foreheads. They were always very rough, until we had the Soviet rugby team come in, and it was like no one can pick him because they were all just these really hard guys. But the thing that I really found fascinating about it was it's constant. Mm. It, it is constant. There is if somebody gets knocked out. If you find one, identify them, and if you then declare them persona non grata, you've got to go right back to the start and find it because the new guy coming in isn't necessarily the next intelligence officer. He could The next spy could come in in a completely different yeah, position. Right. So it's it's shuffling. It's a, it's a game of – it's a jigsaw puzzle with three-card Monty poker craps and darts. It's just <laughs> over the top. And everyone's drunk. Yeah. Well – yeah. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> we need to talk about alcohol. We, and and we will we will get on to that. So I think, you know We will. Excellent. <laughs> while we're drinking yeah. whiskey. <laughs> so I mean what what a what a great story we to finish on. We've really wrapped up how to how to follow those targets. Mm. Which is is pretty exciting. There's some techniques that we can go into in another episode. I, yeah. I, driving a car, car surveillance is a completely another thing. Static watching is another thing. There's so much to talk There's about. There's so much to unpack. Next week, uh, we'll take a look at bugging a hot tin roof. Ooh, that was not a good day for someone. Not a good day? No. I can't wait to get into it. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed that story, why don't you give us a little subscribe? And review us. And also review us on ASIO's Twitter feed. That'd be fun. <laughs> ASIO's Twitter feed. I love it. 